Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Lessons from Job, When God Shows Up. Please be sure to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our Bible study resources, our previous episodes, and much, much more. Our passage for this study is found in Job chapter 42, verses 1 through 3. And it reads from the King James Version, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Before we get into this short study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your word. We thank you for the study of it. We ask you to give us wisdom and understanding. Help us to rightly divide your words of truth. Forgive us of all of our sins and help us not to undermine your message. In Jesus' name, amen. When God shows up, it's always cool when God shows up. The book of Job is very interesting. Lots of deep lessons. We encourage you to go back to the previous lessons that we've done on Job to catch up. There's a lot of background there. But where we are right now is from chapter 38 onward, God speaks to Job out of a whirlwind. Job has been asking for a meeting with his Redeemer, doesn't understand what's happening to him, and the Lord shows up. And when God shows up, he asks a series of questions. This is the most questions that God asks of any person in, in, um, at one time. And he asks them all of Job. And he starts a round of questions. Where were you when this happened? Do you know how this works? Where was this? Where was that? Where was everything else? And it, it has a, a kind of know your place feel to it. But basically, the Lord is saying to Job, you're, you're questioning your desire to understand what's going on. And your questioning of me almost sounds like you feel that you weren't treated right and you are seeking redress. And so now I have to ask you some questions. Like, do you understand how this works? Do you understand what I'm in charge of, what you're in charge of, what, you know, to what degree I answer to you on these matters? And he asks him a series of things. Okay? The Lord loves him, and we'll see that. The Lord loves him. The first lesson is the way that God confronts you about a situation does not necessarily mean that he hates you or is looking to destroy you. Sometimes he's asking you those questions so you can take stock of what you've done and how you've been approaching things and how you've been looking at things. And so he brings it to him. I, I had a problem um, in the past 
week or so where I had a series of um, of technical issues that sprang up. I had all sorts of computer-related problems that sprang up. And I was kind of annoyed because I had to operate them different. I had to operate differently than I wanted to. And I was inconvenienced because obviously when you're not operating it at full capacity, when you don't have everything the way that you want it, things are a little bit more challenging to go about. And in the midst of my moaning and whining and complaining about it, I stopped and thought to myself, you know, most other people who lost their primary machine would have also lost a good chunk of their data, right? I had a power supply go out. I had um, a hard drive go out, which I didn't realize until I got the power supply fixed. And several other things that were, you know, connected to multiple monitors and so forth were all in disarray. But I had another machine. I actually had two other machines that I could use, a laptop and some other systems. And I had other systems. I was not devoid of computer systems that I could use. They just were not set up optimally for how I needed to work. But I thought about it and, you know, and realized that's a, that's a whining that doesn't need to take place. The truth of the matter is I lost no real data. I was inconvenienced. That's as best I could put. I was inconvenienced. I couldn't operate at peak efficiency, but I could operate. I had all the data I needed. I could get access to my mail. I could get access to the files that were stored. I was able to edit things and recover them. It just wasn't convenient or comfortable. And at the point where I said, Lord, you know what? Forgive me for being so whiny about this. Everything started to get better. Right at that point, just at the point where I said, you know what, Lord, I'm looking at this all wrong. Just wrong perspective. Everything, I was thankful, I was grateful that I had other systems, other ways of working, contingency plans that didn't leave me high and dry. And as soon as I recognized that, everything began to improve. I was able to figure out what was going on. The replacement part I ordered showed up a day early. <laughs> a day early, a full day early from what they said I was going to receive it. It came earlier. Um, a number of significant things happened. And I just had to laugh because, you know, God sometimes has to remind us. So sometimes he shows up and asks us questions to help us take stock of the situation and reassess our position. And so God asks him a series of questions and uh, culminating in, in Job 40, verse 1, it says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. So Job says in verse 3, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. Once have I spoken, and I will not answer, yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. And the Lord continues, verse 6. Then answered the Lord unto Job out of the whirlwind, and said, Gird up thy loins now like a man, and I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? Now, it's interesting, right? That phrase sounds a lot like Elihu. It sounds a lot like what Elihu was saying. So God is saying, 
the tone of your argument was drifting into territory that was not where you want to be drifting. It's also interesting to note that God ignores his vow of silence. He says, no, 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 no. You've been asking for me for some time now, and now I'm here, so now you need to talk. Now I'm going to ask you some questions, and now you're going to answer. And um, again, this is not petty or vindictive. It may look like that if you're first coming across it, but when you, as you go through the story, I mean, assume a neutral voice until you have proof that it's not. And as you go through, God continues to ask him, hast thou an arm like God, or canst thou thunder with a voice like him? Deck thyself now with majesty and excellency, and array thyself with glory and beauty. He's like, do this, assert yourself. You know, you wanted to speak to me, you wanted to to understand what's going on, you wanted to question what, what is happening here. I'm here now. Let's let's go. Let's do this. And he continues to have this conversation with him, right? The Lord continues to have this conversation with him all throughout chapter 40. Talks about creation. God spends a lot of time discussing creation in these in these um, chapters. All about, here's what I've done. Here's what I brought. Do you know how this works? Do you know how this works? Could you command this to happen? Can you make this happen? 41, canst thou draw Leviathan with an hook or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Goes on, he, he describes him. All through chapter 41, he describes various animals like the rhinoceros and the alligator, large, large, um, powerful creatures that kind of do whatever they want. And he gets all the way to that point, and Job again says, in Job chapter 42, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Right? This is what... Job is saying here, Job is saying, yes, you asked who it is that's hiding counsel, who is uttering speech without proper knowledge. That was me. I spoke when I did not have enough information and I didn't realize my ignorance, but I clearly realize it now. In verse four, he says, here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the air, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is an awesome passage here. Job responds to God. And the fact that he responds to God shows here that he's not in abject terror. So we can get a better understanding of how God was approaching him. God's tone, right? All of God's majesty and power was present, but God was not trying to scare the wits out of Job. He was showing himself to be the creator. He was showing himself to be powerful, but he wasn't flexing his muscles as we might use that term. He wasn't flexing as we might use that term um, today. He wasn't flexing his muscles in an attempt to intimidate Job. And Job understands that. We can see from Job's response that intimidation was not what occurred. It is the utmost respect and reverence and awe. And so Job says, 
Lord, my mistake. I spoke foolishly. I asserted myself in things that I did not have sufficient understanding or knowledge. But I do want to say this one thing, Lord. Up until now, I have heard about you. I have heard about you with mine ear, but now I'm experiencing you in a way that is different, in a way that is more awesome and profound than anything else. And my sinfulness and wretchedness are readily exposed, and I repent in dust and ashes. So whatever Job's thought process had been, whether he was justifying himself or just reacting poorly to the friends harassing him, whatever his thought process was that this should not be happening to him and he really want to have a talk with someone to understand what's going on, when God shows up, Job understands his situation and his plight. And he says, I am not worthy, but I am privileged because you have now my experience with you is not just a third party, second party experience. It is a first person, awesome experience. And I am wretched and decrepit and I repent in dust and ashes. And look how the rest of this chapter goes. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said unto Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. For ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job will pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. The Lord also accepted Job. And then verse 10, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Think about how awesome this is. And think about what these passages, what these verses from 7 through 10 say. Job recognized what his situation was. When the Lord came, everything about Job's perspective shifted. And it shifted from, I don't want to suggest that he only had a theoretical understanding of who God was. But he says that I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth. So he's making a distinction in verse 5 that shows that there's a difference in the nature of that relationship that he has. Remember, he's got boils, he's sitting in, he, he's got a potsherd to scrape himself, he's sitting in ashes so that he can get some level of comfort from the total discomfort of his body. And in that condition, in that condition, God says, I will accept sacrifices from him, but I'm not accepting them from you three directly. So you need to bring them by way of Job that I'll accept you. God is showing mercy because he is willing to forgive them, 
but they are so wrong about who God is that he has to forgive them through an intermediary. They cannot even approach him. And he's willing to take an intermediary that is in a vile condition. And why do I say he's in a vile condition? Because verse 10 says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. So Job is in the state that we found Job in from chapter 3, from late chapter 2. Job is in that state, in that condition, even as he prays, even as he intercedes for his friends. It's not until after the intercession that the Lord turns the captivity. So it goes to show that to obey is better than sacrifice. Sacrifice is important. God made it clear in the Levitical system that you just couldn't come haphazardly to a sacrifice, that you had to be clean when you presented, that there were all sorts of things that were important, and they were there. They were a type. They, they showed the way that things work. You can't go into the sacrificial system, and you can't go into the, the system of redemption unclean. Right? We, we need to handle the things of the Lord in a clean fashion. But he also shows that cleanliness of the heart is more important than other kinds of cleanliness. Right? Outer cleanliness is representative of cleanliness on the inside. It's the indicator. Right? What we look like on the outside is the indicator of what is on the inside. It's not the determinant because you could put on a show on the outside. When God shows up, things get resolved. When God shows up, we get better perspective on the situations that we're in. When God shows up, he sets things right from wrong. And even the friends who were wrong about how God operated, God was willing to forgive them through his servant who understood him right. Job may at times have represented himself wrong in relation to God, but he understood who God was and how God operated. And he spoke of God, that thing which was right, and he especially did so right at the beginning of, jo of chapter 42. He did a reset of his relationship with his Savior right at the beginning of 42. All throughout, if you read the book of Job, all throughout, he asserts who God is in a way that is uh, profound and truthful. But here he does a reset of who God is in relation to him. And God acknowledges that. And on account of that, he's in a position to intercede for others because God will hear him where he won't hear them because they misrepresented God entirely. It's important for us. A lot of times we ask for God to show up. Make sure you know what you're asking for. Make sure you're prepared for God to stand up by abhorring ourselves and repenting in dust and ashes. That's the condition we need to be in. And God will lift us up, and God will redeem us, and God will restore us. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. 
things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are willing to come, that you're willing to show up. We thank you that even in our frailty and failings, you have mercy on us. You protected Job by staying inside that whirlwind and cloaking yourself from destroying him and his three friends. You represented yourself to him and helped him to understand his relation to you. And when he repented, you gave him not only restitution, but you used him to save his friends. Help us to realize that we need to forgive others who have mistreated us, because in doing so, we are doing your will. In doing so, we are saving ourselves as well. Please bless us. Help us to learn these lessons of Job. There's so many lessons. We've, we've barely touched the surface of all of the lessons in these 42 chapters. But we pray, Lord, that you will grant us wisdom and understanding and that we'll take the time to study this and learn what you would have us to learn in these end times. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at ASPZone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study his word. Thank you.